And so that is to say that if you are looking out at some trees and an ocean and a dolphin jumps out of the water and there's a rainbow over top of the dolphin and there's doves that fly out immediately at the same time and an angel comes down from heaven all at once. Do you ever feel like, like we could be living differently? A lot. Some people, they're going to be like, what the fuck is Earl talking about? And that's to the Any Last Words pod. My name is Earl Lonnie Hooks. Special thanks to everybody joining me on SoundCloud, Spotify, Apple, as well as YouTube. The God in me honors the God in each and every one of you. Yes, today, Keon, aka Almighty the DJ, is somewhere in Miami, or at least getting ready to go to Miami. He's he's gonna go have some fun, so it is it is it is going to be just me recording today. And I guess we should start off with first and foremost, this episode is brought to us by pride. A high or inordinate opinion of one's own dignity, importance, merit, or superiority, whether as cherished in the mind or as displayed in bearing conduct, etc. Two, the state or feeling of being proud. Three, a becoming or dignified sense of what is due to oneself or one's position or character. Self-respect, self-esteem. Interesting. I would like to start off with, with phrasing first from this book, Hue and Cry to Humble Pie, which I've used before for its wisdom on where some of this phraseology that we just so flippantly use has come from. Pride goes before a fall. An ancient warning for the arrogant to avoid conceit. Do not be too cocksure or big-headed, because events may conspire to bring you down. The phrase is shortened from the passage in Proverbs Chapter 16, verse 18. Pride goeth before destruction, and a haughty spirit before a fall. Pride goes before, and shame comes after, is another form of the proverb, is, as it was used in the 16th and 17th centuries. It has also been said that he who gets too big for his britches gets exposed in the end. I like to speak about pride today for for a lot of different reasons. But before we get into that, I would like to, because I think that this sort of episode takes a certain level of attention. And in order for us to be able to gain and take hold of that sort of attention, I think that the best way for us to do it, if you know anything about me, is a meditation. So I'd like for all of us to take our time. If you would give me a few minutes of your time, we're going to try and and achieve a five minute meditation to start this podcast out with wherever Keon is right now. I'm sure he's he's joining us in spirit. 
close your eyes. And focus on the breath. In and out. Focus on how the air fills the ribcage. Focus on how the air fills the chest. be upset or discouraged at your brain doing these things whilst you go through your meditational practice. Just return to the present moment and you realize you've gone astray. on the air around and how it feels on the surface of your skin. said that if you are listening to this recording and you happen to be in a position in which you cannot close your eyes, this practice is not narrow so far in that you cannot have your eyes open and focus on what arises in consciousness all the same. practice, 
this last minute we find ourselves in. See if you can focus on all of the people that mean the most to you in this life. And try to imagine them happy, filled, Process with that feeling is. And that concludes our five-minute meditation. Congratulations. Be happy with yourselves. It's probably five more minutes of mindfulness than you would have had otherwise. So congratulations. It means something. So today, as I said, I wanted to speak on pride. Something that I feel like gets a hold of a lot of us. Uh, no pun intended. That'll come later. But I think the easiest way to just show a very benign, mundane, routine version of this first and foremost is to talk about an episode that was had by me yesterday. And when I say episode, I mean just a moment in time, but this happens to be a, a recurring moment. Driving through the Chick-fil-A drive through There are clearly in the Chick-fil-A that I go to, two lanes. Chick-fil-A's are very popular. There's never a point in the day in which Chick-fil-A is not popping. That's just a, that's just a fact. It's a thing. Two lanes. Lane one, lane two. There is a very, very long line in lane one. And virtually no one at all in lane two. Now, the way that I look at this is twofold. One, people are followers. They're sheep. We know this by now. It's not a big surprise. And if you start a line somewhere, there's a very good chance that people are going to line up behind you, thinking that the person in front of them knows what's going on. This, in a nutshell, is the way that a lot of people live life. Not thinking for themselves, going and doing what the person in front of them is doing, following suit. So I'm sitting in this line, waiting for the fork in the road so I can be the person to go off into the second lane. So again, twofold. First, I think people are just following the people in front of them. And I would really, would really hold true to the idea that that is more so the reason as to why they're all in lane one. But if it weren't for the fact that there is a clear arrow in big sign that says lane two, I would be a little bit more subject to, to agree with that. But I think the outside lane of lane two and it being the number that comes after one, people on some, some very trivial, some primal, unconscious or subconscious 
plane do not want to be placed and, and also in some sort of weird class classism ideology do not want to be placed in lane two. So you're all in lane one. I drive into lane two and happily drive past seven or eight cars and go straight up and I get my food. Pride has a very, very well pride as well as a a lack of critical analysis of said moment has engulfed us in so many ways, but this is just a very, very layman's way of looking at it, an everyday routine way of seeing it, if you pay enough attention. I'd like to go into a song that was recently put out by J. Cole, big J. Cole fan, on his newest album, The Off Season. The song is called What Do You Know? Pride is the Devil, featuring Lil Baby. We're just going to go over J. Cole's first verse in this because I find it to be interesting. He's clearly coming to grips with understanding his relationship to pride and not only his relationship, but through observation of people that have been around him that he has grown up with, observation of people's relationship with pride in a general sense and just how damning it can be. My idea of pride is that it's a lot like sugar, like a lot of other qualities in that just enough of it gets you up and gets you moving and too much of it will rot your fucking mouth out. And so we start here with Bright lights pass me in the city. It's emergency. I'm thankful because I made it past the 30s. No one murdered me. Still remember vividly the nigga that pulled the gun on me. I'm petrified but moving like I got no sense of urgency. Pride make a nigga act way harder than he really be. I think that's a good place to stop for a second. For anyone that does not know... There were over 100 shootings in Chicago over the July 4th Independence Day weekend. I've often thought about just how much more susceptible people are to falling prey to their urges of shooting people when July 4th comes around with all the fireworks and all that. It's not really. It's not really that out of the box thinking. It's probably seen, been seen on many TV shows and whodunits and mysteries and things like that. But in this case, in Chicago, over 100 people, I believe 104, somewhere in the teens were the amount of people that died. And also somewhere in the teens were teenagers and children that were caught up in gunfire over the weekend. Six-year-olds, seven-year-olds, 12-year-olds. And I can't help but hear stories like that and think that none of these, and not only none, but that most of these had nothing at all to do with the clutches of pride. 
of doing one, doing some heinous transgression on the basis of your sense of overinflated self and what comes with that well if you build yourself up to be something very large then when it's challenged when it's knocked down it comes down with a vengeance so like i said the more pride like the more sugar that rotting is coming We proceed. Pride hide the pain. One second. Pride hide the pain of growing up inhaling poverty. Inhaling poverty. Or skip the line. Pride hide the shame when city cut off cut off all utilities. Pride make a nigga feel a way that you unfollowed me. Uh, we have to stop there too. This this idea, this new age, this this Instagram age of how personally we're able, we're capable of taking things when somebody does something like doesn't like a photo or unfollows you, and what that, what sort of weight that has on your mental health in any moment. Now, clearly everybody does not does not subscribe to these things as wholeheartedly as others, but we do know there are studies out. It's the the numbers are in now that this social media age has quite rapidly degenerated mental health. It's a thing. It's just it's just not my opinion. It's what it's what the people are saying. It's what professionals are saying. Make a nigga flash a thousand like he hit the lottery. If I keep seeing people with these these money phones to their head. The money phones, you know, the big stacks of, of, of one dollar bills, hundred dollar bills, whatever it is, placed up in people's phones because they're talking to the money. You know, it's um. Kiana and I have spoken about it on other podcast episodes. It, it really is something that we've we've gotten to this place. And I, you know, I don't want to say gotten to the place this place as though it's, you know, this day and age's fault. The these couple of generations' fault. It's been years and years in the making. But the fact that we do honor and praise the things that we do. To the extent that we do is, um, one could say it's definitely frightening. It's troublesome at the, at the least. <clears throat> and we have to get a better sense of what it is we're valuing. Because the fact that you can get a little money and then feel as though it makes you the type of person that you think ought to get admiration and adulation and praise and desire from people is 
is is a pathway that we don't want to go down. That's uh, that's for sure. Let's see what we got here. Let's see, proceed on with J. Cole. Make a baby mama make shit harder than it gotta be. Make you have to take the bitch to court to see your prodigy. Now, I don't have children. Um, but who? Man, to be dating someone and have no idea really where this person is willing to take things if your relationship goes sour. That's a very interesting thing. I think that a lot of times people say, well, Earl, you just you just never know. Once things get once the ties are cut and people feel terribly inside you, you never know what human beings are capable of. That's why it's just this age old saying of looking over your significant other. And saying things like, I don't recognize who I'm looking at. I don't feel like I know you anymore because something has taken a turn for the worse. And all of what you thought were their tender, caring, considerate sensibilities have gone out of the window. And now you're dealing with somebody that um, is trying to make it the hardest job in the world for you to see your child and be a part of your child's life. And I just my heart goes out to everybody that's in that position, honestly, because that just sounds that sounds terrible. Um, Actually. You know, I've been close to some people that have been been in situations like that, and it um, it doesn't sound any fun at all. So here we go. Where are we at? Uh, make you have to use your last resort and pull a robbery. Now, this next one is really the one that gets me and a lot of the reason why I feel like I was compelled to bring this to the pod today. Pride be the reason for the family dichotomy. Got uncles and some aunties that's too proud to give apologies. We all have to be privy to a set of circumstances that has placed loved ones apart from one of another that that will not speak. Or even if they do, they will not speak at the level that they could, at the level of, of caring that they could, at the level of meaning, at the level of togetherness that they could. And I think that it's it could easily be detected and pinpointed as too much pride. We've all been in situations at some point or another, in which we could not bring ourselves to just say, you're right, I'm wrong, I'm sorry. What you're saying makes more sense. I let my head get too big. I'm too prideful. My inflated sense of self and superiority has, has been gratuitous in this situation. And I've allowed that to take hold of everything to the point where I've now blinded myself. I have narrowed my scope and I haven't been able to look at this for everything that it's worth. And therefore, through that, I have slighted you. I have slighted your position. I've slighted your being. 
And those are the sorts of conversations. Now, you know, everyone's not going to be able to articulate themselves this way. That is, that's fair. But just the start of realizing that it's even pride that's holding you back from being this person, from even having a chance to say these things to the next person is really where the problem lies. Because you cannot fix a problem unless you have identified that there is a problem and what the problem is in its full capacity. And it makes for a lot of weird dinners, a lot of weird Thanksgivings, a lot of weird Christmases, because people cannot bring themselves to look past their their pride. There again, let me read this to you one more time so we all have uh, an understanding. When you speak to someone about anything, you want to understand that the definition, the idea of what it is you're speaking about has been defined and understood so that everyone can be on the same playing field. And again, pride, a high or inordinate opinion of one's own dignity, importance, merit, or superiority. And then again, they liken it to self-esteem and self-respect. And like I said, it's not bad to have those things. And, and you have to be discerning upon when it is okay to have these things, when it is okay to practice these things, what is too much, what is too little. But in order to do that, you have to start with understanding what the thing is in and of itself first. Um, all right, let's press on. Let's press on, J. Cole. So we just talked about the aunties and the uncles and the aunties. And I think it uh, ends with slowly realizing what the root of all my problems be. It got me feeling different when somebody say they proud of me. That's a heartbreaking one. That's that's to the point where, you know, you grew up and. You wanted people to be proud of you. You did a lot of the things that you did in the hopes that someone would acknowledge the greatness, the effort, the, the blood, sweat, and tears that went into accomplishing whatever it is you accomplished and saying to you, I'm proud of you. And now J. Cole's getting to a point where he's, <laughs> he's feeling this, this weird, corrosive energy that comes with too much pride. And, and what is it when, when someone says that they're proud of you? And how are you to know just how proud of you they are? Because as we've spoken about, too much pride can put you on a pedestal. And it's a far, far fall down from that pedestal if anything were to happen to that pride, if that pride is challenged, if it's shaken. If it's shattered. And. And I think that. This is a. A very interesting. Problem to have inside of a relationship, but it's a problem nonetheless. Person A comes to person B and says. I'm proud of you. Doesn't seem anything wrong with that. Innocuous would be the word. It seems harmless. Actually seems quite complimentary. 
But that's great. And that's probably the sort of pride that you would want to take in yourself, that you might even want other people to take of you. But then what happens in that relationship when the person's idea of themselves is deteriorated? Not necessarily because of the way that they look at you in comparison to them. That could also be a case there, right? This also kind of correlates with social media, the comparison aspect of it. But if someone does not feel good about themselves and they're so proud of you, they start to place you on that pedestal. Everything that you are to them starts to become a bit more inflated with time. The way that they feel about themselves and the way that they feel about you starts to become an unhealthy mix. It's an unhealthy engagement or relationship of matters at hand. And as the person that is feeling this way, that is looking at themselves down, dirty, in the mud, in the dumps, insecure, unfulfilled, not prideful at all of themselves and their accomplishments. If they're looking at this other person, it's, a, it's an interesting question to ask oneself. Is it, is it a reasonable question? Is it a reasonable ask for me to proposition this person to stick around in my life? Seeing as how the relationship that I have with them, just merely based on the way that I look at myself and the way that I look at them, has become unhealthy and toxic, corrosive, insidious rotting. And from the other standpoint, the person that is being looked at in such a brilliant light, it's an interesting question for that person to ask themselves, what is my ethical obligation here? Do I know for certain that it is simply my presence, my existence that is casting shadow and doubt over this other person? What am I to do about that? Do I leave? Well, maybe that shatters that person. Is that the ethical choice? Well, do I stay and do I help that person rise into being a person that has a bit more of what it is they're aspiring for, whatever it is that they see? And if so, how long? How long do I give that process? Pride is a tricky thing. It's a very, very tricky thing. Admiration in oneself, admiration in another is a very tricky thing. And all of these things, no matter how you want to dice it up, no matter how semantically you would like to, you would like to word it, you would like to conceptualize it, formulate it, construct it, there has to be balance. There has to be discernment on how much energy is being given on these things and why they're being given. Does it serve me to look at someone in this light? Why do I look at them in that light? Why do I not see myself in this light? Do I see myself in this light? 
do I see myself in this light wrongfully? These are all very, very interesting questions to ask oneself. I bring this to this podcast simply to stir thought. That is all. Simply to stir thought. I did not have the main man, Keon, again, a.k.a. Almighty, the DJ, here to do this with me. So I decided I would just bring a few of these things as I do enjoy being thought-provoking. I'm going to read one more thing. And I believe, I mean, as I did, no matter how you feel about spirituality or religion, again, these are semantics. The word God can be looked at in very in multitudinous ways. And so if you decide to put trust inside of the universe, or it is a specific deity, or maybe it is your idea of your higher self, or maybe it is the idea of all of the conjoining spirits that make nature's energy. However it is you decide to look at it, I think that we can all take something away from this poem that I'm going to read. It is called My Evening Prayer by Charles H. Gabriel. And I'll tell you why you decided to read this. On today's episode about pride, my evening prayer. If I have wounded any soul today, if I have caused one foot to go astray, if I have walked in my own willful way, good Lord forgive. If I have uttered idle words or vain, if I have turned aside from want or pain, lest I myself should suffer through the strain, good Lord forgive. If I have craved for joys that are not mine, if I have let my wayward heart repine, dwelling on things of earth, not things divine, good Lord forgive. If I have been perverse or hard or cold, if I have longed for shelter in thy fold, when thou hast given me some part to hold, good Lord, forgive. Forgive the sins I have confessed to thee. Forgive the secret sins I do not see. That which I know not, Father, teach thou me. Help me to live. Charles H. Gabriel. Again, that was called my evening prayer. I read that to really just round this out and say that we've all had these ridiculous moments of pride that have blocked our vision, stultified us, stupefied us, narrowed everything that we could be, that we ought to be. Because again, another great question to ask yourself every morning you wake up is, who could I be? Who could I be if I allowed, if I allowed myself to get out of my own way? And so I read this again to say that we all fall, but we get back up, we keep moving, 
And to any of those ideas, deities that I named prior, the spirit, the higher self, the universe, Jesus, Allah, Buddha, whatever it is you feel like you connect to, nothing, it's fine. It could just be yourself in this moment. There is a forgiveness that can be asked for you. And there is a pathway after that. And moments like me sitting in the Chick-fil-A drive-thru waiting in waiting when there's an entirely empty line, lane, ready for people to drive in and go get their food, that these are moments that just show in what I think, again, twofold, sheep mentality. And some people are going to be sheep, so I understand that. But if you do not want to be, You can take yourself out of that race. You do not have to be a part if this means anything to you. And the second fold being pride. I'm not going to be in lane two. I'm going to be in lane one. Lane, the number two comes after the number one. No, I'm going to be, I'm not going to be in this outer ring that that has a longer loop around even though it goes much quicker cuz no one's there it is it is pride at its stupidest level and at its fundamental level which makes it so easy to spot but we can be better it starts with acknowledgement it continues with forgiveness of oneself and then it continues further with newfound wisdom and so that is what I had to say today on the any last words pod I didn't want to keep you all too too long with that I will say one last thing I was I was contacted by a devout listener of ours and I'm very very happy that that I was shout out to you They sent me an Eckhart Tolle quote and I may be paraphrasing to some degree it says something along the lines of to see things clearly and to know them fully There has to be a moment of presence in which your conceptual thinking fades away. Something along the lines of that. And I was asked for my insight or my thoughts on this thing. And I think that questions like that push me to articulate things that have been taking place in my mind that I haven't really articulated in the best sense yet. But last night was a moment for me. And so I would like to to speak on this for that listener. Thank you again. Everything in this world is taking place with or without you. Everything natural. It's sort of like that 
If a tree falls and no one's around to hear it, does it make noise? These things are taking place with or without your experience of them. And so that is to say that if you're looking out at some trees in an ocean and a dolphin jumps out of the water and there's a rainbow over top of the dolphin and there's doves that fly out immediately at the same time and an angel comes down from heaven all at once. In order to fully understand this thing, this phenomenon that is happening in front of you, and it doesn't have to be that romantic either. It could just be you looking at a dog running across the yard. We filter things as conscious thinking beings. We filter things through our thoughts and our feelings about things, and then it is portrayed out to us, whatever that thing is. But there is a layer of reality in which we're not usually, most of us will never tap into, which is what the thing is in front of us in and of itself without your thoughts about it, your conceptions about it, your feelings about it. It is quite possible through mindfulness practice to take a step back and observe something so keenly, so acutely that your conceptions, your ideas about that thing are null and void. They are not there. And your emotions, therefore, are rendered null and void. It is simply the raw data in front of you. And until you can get to that place, you can know nothing fully. Nothing absolutely. Because you will only ever be looking at things in your life through the lens of what you think about it and how it makes you feel. That is not truly reality. Those are components that come together to make your reality of things. But in, but in order to truly understand and see something for its full-bodiedness, you have to find a way to extract the ego from the thing itself. There cannot be a relationship to you in said thing. You have to find a way to become the observer in such a way such a profound way that you are seeing only the thing you are experiencing, only the thing you're feeling it, you're hearing it, you're seeing it, but there is no concepts as to words, what it is, how it makes you feel, what it can be used for. Those things dissipate through this deeper, more profound, acute mindfulness. And so that is what I believe Eckhart Tolle was speaking on. Again, thank you, devout listener, for bringing that to my attention, because I think it's something that I've been doing quite longer than I, <laughs> I have given myself credit for. Um, it's, a, it's a very interesting phenomenon to, to think about. But 
we all know people that are impulsive. They act on emotion. They mostly are filtering things through how they feel. And then you mostly and then, you know, a lot of analytical people where everything that they see, they have to break it down to its its bare minimum. Right. It's simplest fraction, if you will. And that's how they look at stuff. Those are the minds of engineers and scientists. And then you have the minds of artists, creatives with the feel. And. It truly and on both sides of these spectrums, by the way, you still do have the people that are able to do this. But in order to truly, truly, purely know something, you have to be able to see it on all levels. How it makes you feel. How you can conceptualize this thing down to its simplest fraction. And then also. How it is you're able to observe this thing with your ego, with your emotions, with your thoughts completely extracted from the experience of this thing existing within your presence. Now, to some people, that's going to mean a lot to some people. They're going to be like, what the fuck is Earl talking about? And that's OK. That's completely OK. I I foresee this happening more and more as these episodes Further on, I, I read a a quote one time, and it's someone, you know, positing a, a book recommendation to a friend, and they say you should read this book. And the person says, "Ah, oh, is this one of those books I'm going to have to I'm going to have to have a dictionary for as I read it?" And then person A again, that's doing the recommendation, says, "Well, that depends on how much you've used the dictionary up until this point." And I say that to say everything that I say is not going to hit home for everyone listening. And that makes sense. It depends on how open you are to these things I'm saying. It depends on what work and what information you have been exposed to prior to hearing the words that I have to say on this podcast. And that's okay. I accept that. I, you know, I I think it would be a whole lot easier listening to me on this podcast if you also accept that as the listener. And we should all, again, lower our pride and be just a little bit more patient with one another as we continue to grow and go down in, in this lifelong journey of ours. So that is what I had for us today. Again, pride. Thank you all for listening. Those were my last words. Those were super, super long last words. That's what I have today. Keon will be back with us soon enough so that you don't have to listen to me drone on and on about things that I find important. And that is all for us today. This has been episode 69, I believe it will be. Peace.